I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at this Ephesians 2 scripture, look at grace and faith. We use those words a lot, but do we know what they mean? Uh, the Ephesians 2 passage is just one of the best passages to kind of sum up the gospel, what Jesus did for us, you know, that we are saved by grace. We want to get this right, by grace through faith, not the other way around. It's the grace that saves us. It's the faith that activates it. It's there for us. It's offered to us. But it, you have to trust in Jesus to actually get the benefits from it. Um, and you want to think about that. I think a word that really is helpful here is the word earned. Because we could say, well, isn't faith a work? I, I don't know. It's an action. Uh, it's a trusting. But it's not earned. You never earn it. It's a good time to think about that during Christmas time because it, we give these gifts. You know, you open a gift, well, you have to open it, you know. And if I'm wrapping it, there's so much tape on it, it takes a while. But you keep getting, you get to the, but just be, you had to do a little work to get to the gift, but you didn't earn the gift. It was given, it's a free gift. Be, it's free because it doesn't cost anything. And that's so we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. That's kind of the gospel in a nutshell. We're going to look at grace and faith. We're going to look at a couple uh, illustrations of each to help us understand them. And then we're going to finish up with Romans 5, which kind of takes grace and faith and ends in eternal hope, which is kind of a nice passage to start the year with. So it won't take that long. I'll get you to launch on time. You think about our working definitions. We have these on our website. I set these up, and we kind of keep playing with them. Grace is not long, uh, the definition. It's undeserved merit before God, and that's the undeserved, not earned. Uh, that is grace, and we're going to look at some passages. We're going to hit a lot of scriptures. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Luke 7, and then we're going to be in Matthew 14 uh, with those two illustrations. The rest I'll put on the screen for you. Um, another way to put that is God's favor offered to the unworthy. Uh, as we said at the communion, we're never worthy in a sense of our actions, but we're made worthy because we're seen as children of God by the Father if we believe in the Son. We're part of the family. So we become worthy because of his actions, not because of ours. doesn't mean our actions doesn't ma don't matter because the verse 10 of Ephesians 2 tells us that we were created by God to do good works. So we're still supposed to do, but those don't save you because then it wouldn't be grace. So that's the definition of grace. Now, faith is a little longer. We've added to this. You can probably tell. Uh, you think, well, I think we may ever add a little. Pretty soon, faith is going to be in a paragraph and a half. Uh, but you think about it, faith is an active, reasoned trust. I like that start. That actually comes from John Stott, if you care. He's passed, uh, passed away, a good uh, British theologian. An active reason to trust. So it's not just a trust and just generally it's, it's active, meaning it's, it's ongoing, and it's reasoned. You, you're actually thinking about it. It's not just, we never tell, Jesus never told anybody to have blind faith. You know, just believe in what, you know it's not true, but you believe anyway. I mean, that would be silly to do. That would be foolish. Why would you do that? But an active reason, trust in Christ. Obviously, it's Christian faith. In Christ is very important. Based on evidence. You want some evidence? 
You got 66 books of evidence. You've got the Spirit in your own life evidence. You've got other Christians. There's plenty of evidence. Most people just have decided there's enough. That seems to be the atheist, oh, I need more evidence. And I think God keeps saying, you have enough. Your heart's hard. And shown by our obedient motivations and actions. We've through, we went through First John, I don't know if you remember that, and we had to add this in. <laughs> and it's really verse 10 of Ephesians. We do good works because we have accepted the grace and are part of God and have eternal life. Not to get it. There's a big difference between those two. It's a new year. I hope you guys do a lot of wonderful things. I think our, I hope our church does. I hope more and more people become better disciples. We have more and more people become disciples of Jesus, followers of his. But there isn't anything we're going to do this year in 2023 that's going to impress God. It's like, oh, I've never seen that before. But we can make him proud, and that's really what we're trying to do. So belief in an intellectual acceptance or approval of. That's back to our tightrope walker. That's belief in is the fact that, you know, I think that, I think he can make it, you know. That's trust that it, in it, it can happen. But trust in you getting on his back, that's what Jesus is really looking for. I mean, you get that in Matthew 11, you know, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me you and learn from me. So we're in the yoke together. And if we kind of just invert that yoke, get on the top of the yoke, give him a, one of those wires, jump on the tightrope, and you got your Niagara thing. Um, it's the idea that we're in it together. It's a relationship, a connection, and that's what he's looking for. Uh, and you're going to see this as we look at these scriptures, how much important it is to understand what grace and faith are. So the New Testament guides us a lot here. Romans 3 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a great verse to remember. It's Romans 3.23. It's the problem. If there was no problem, we wouldn't have had to have a cross. And are justified how? Justified, made just, made right in God's eyes as a gift by his grace. That's, again, it says it again, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's, again, grace keeps coming. And we get John 3.16 as a grace verse. It doesn't necessarily use the word, but it points to it. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but you could almost put, but to give them grace to save the world through him. You know, it's not a, a judgment time the first time. So it's not earned. That's we have to remember. And Romans 11 hits that well. So two, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, I love this part, but it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. <laughs> it's just like he's, I could just see him talking to people and saying, but don't we have to do something? He said, well, that would be grace. It, it's just, it's just kind of, he just keeps hitting it and hitting it. Because I think our inclination is, I got to do something. And it, in a lot of life, that's true. If, if, you know, if you go into your job here and, you know, I don't know how many days you get off. Hope maybe you get tomorrow off because there's a lot of good bowl games. If you go into your job and you say, you know, I'm just going to come here by grace. I'm not going to work today because you know, I'm not about works. Well, you'll be about unemployment then pretty soon, right? 
I mean, it doesn't work in all of life, but when it comes to salvation, it does. That's the idea. We're still supposed to do obedient things, but do you do the obedient things because you're trying, because you're scared of God, or do you do the obedient things to make Him uh, impressed? Do you do the obedient things because you think if you don't do them, you'll fall out of grace, or do you do them because you have the grace, and that's really what He wants? Because if you don't have the gospel of grace, you get something else, and Paul hits that in Galatians. The book of Galatians, and I know you guys are thinking, you know, here we are partway through the sermon, and he hasn't given us an assignment yet for the week. I'll give you two weeks on this one. Um, read Galatians. It, gives, it, it does this very well. We're going to hit more verses here, but it starts out by, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Either you believe in the gospel of grace or you believe in something else. And almost every vestige that's out there, the pseudo-Christian cults that are in America and other places, they take out grace and they put in works. Everybody else does that. In fact, true Christianity, biblical Christianity, is the only one where grace is the main thing. It's probably why it's appealing. But it's also one where we think, well, I, this guy, I got to do more. And I think anytime you think that, anytime you think that, if you, I wear a cross around my neck, you don't have to, but think of the cross. Do I have to do more? Think of the cross in those three words, it is finished. No, you don't. If it's finished, you don't have to do more. Not to get salvation. And that's why you see in these other religions, other theologies where people are depressed because you just don't know. Have I done enough? Have I been good enough for God to take me home when I die? I mean, that's a scary way to live, isn't it? Have I done enough? And I said, no. <laughs> Has Jesus done enough? And have you accepted that? There's a big difference between that. And y y we're not going to hit this too hard, but how do I know that I know? Well, you, you, you know for a couple of reasons. Do you... Do you feel guilty when you sin? Do you realize that you desire to know God better? If those things are there, or do you even desire to want to know God better? If that's there, you're good. You know, I mean, the whole thing started with a man named Jacob that got his name changed to Israel, which means wrestle or struggle with God. If you're struggling with sin, good. The problem comes when you quit struggling. And you just let it take over. It's, it's a struggle. We know that. Remember? You're not here to be happy. Although I know you are now, right? We're all happy because you get to hear these wonderful sermons. Back to Galatians. <laughs> Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a really good verse, isn't it? I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If I have to do more, then his death was either not sufficient or I mean, not necessary. And it obviously is the, the key. So we rely on this. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time. Look at it, it's confidence and grace. It's just like, you know, if there's anything when you pray, 
When you pray, what can you pray that you'll always get answered? The Hawkeyes win. There were five times this year that did not work. Worked yesterday. That's good. Probably would have worked without my prayer, uh, more than likely. Um, and, and, but what can you pray? Well, there's a few things you can pray. One of it is, God, forgive me because I've fallen short and I come with confidence to the throne of grace and say, you're forgiven. And you know if you're sincere. Um, that will always be answered. It's a good prayer, too. It's in the Lord's Prayer, if you didn't know that. It's right in the middle. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The other is protection from evil. And the other is His presence. So our attitude, what's our attitude supposed to be? This is what you always want to look for. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It doesn't take long to get humble, does it? I mean, I, I think it's, it, God will humble you if you need it. Um, all the time. And this comes over, oh, you see it in 1 Peter uh, 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We don't go around life thinking, look at me, I follow Jesus. He likes me better than he likes you. It's, look at me, I was a sinner saved by grace, and you can be too. And he's always going to be the one that we point to. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. That's good, isn't it? That's, yeah, these are good verses. I don't know if you notice, there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's a lot of good stuff, especially in the 27 New Testament, then, and then you get into the Old, it's really good too. And it's ongoing. Second Peter tells us that rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge. You, does it say it'd be nice to grow in the grace and knowledge? To say if you got time after the bowl games to grow in the grace and knowledge. You must grow in it. Why? Well, if you're not growing in Christ, you're probably receding in Christ. And, and I think that's what he wants. Knowledge. Again, if you're going to throw yourself on the mercy and grace of Christ, it might be good to know what that means. If you're going to have confidence in that. And then very last verse that we have in our by very last verse in the book of Revelation. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. It's a continuing thing. You live by grace every day. You know, I know, you know, different years we go through, you go through tough times. You know, you go back and look at the bad times and the good times. But they can't take this away. Nobody can take this away from you because it's eternal. You can take anything else away, but you can't take this away. And it makes the most important thing because, it, again, it's the most important things are relationship with God and relationship with other. And grace is the thing that makes that all make a difference. So the illustration, if you want to turn, this is in Luke 7. And I'll, I'll, I think I'll read out of the NLT just because it goes a little quicker. Um, this is a, a really interesting account 
Uh, I'm trying not to use the word story. I don't know because people hear story and they think it's fictitious. You know, once upon a time, there was a Pharisee. You know, that's not the way this works, is it? This, this, this stuff really happened. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And a certain immoral woman, think about the woman, okay? A certain immoral woman. Uh, if you get into the, she probably was a prostitute. This is probably what we know. From the city, heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind, or knelt behind him at the feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So picture this. Get your movie going. You know, if you were going to do a scene, you got, uh, we'll just call her Lady of the Night, comes in to Jesus, who's perfect, and she's wiping her, he shouldn't even be in there, really. I mean, this is, this is, and you can think about what, are there, what is everybody thinking? I know you guys never worry about what other people think, but some people do that. This is an odd scene. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And I think if you ask her, she wouldn't argue. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, which is always cool. Simon, he said to the Pharisees, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom you canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from that time I came in, the time she came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell her her sins, they are many, they have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? that he goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So even in the grace stories, here comes faith. It seems to be there. But this is a good picture of grace, I think. Did she earn her salvation by bringing that perfume in? Did doing a nice gift for the Savior all of a sudden make those sins just disappear? No, that was grace. It was great. And notice he doesn't say, good job sinning. He just forgives them because he has the power to do so. But I think that's a good illustration of grace. And you'll see that in the way Jesus treats people. Jesus is very open to any person, and we should be too, no matter how bad they are or what they've done. And some of them know it got to be open to the people. Now, he was very exclusive when it came to ideas. That's why they killed him. I don't know if you noticed that. They didn't kill him because he was nice to people. They killed him because he wouldn't, he wouldn't capitulate on the truth that he was telling. Are you the Christ? Yep. No way to the Father except through me. You've got to accept my grace. 
well, we're going to kill you. Do it. Actually, that's the plan. You know, that's summarizing part of the gospel. But that's, when it comes to ideas, Jesus is going to say, you either follow the way I said it or you're out. But I don't care how bad you've been. That's what I'm here for. So he's always, we call it egalitarian toward people, always accepting anybody that wants to grab onto the grace, no matter how bad they are or what they've done. But when it comes to the idea, how silly it would be to say, well, yes, sinning woman, let's have you go over and offer a sacrifice to Baal. Maybe that will work. Well, that would just be mean. And there's no grace there. There's only one way. And Jesus is the way. Well, that's grace. Well, what about faith? Well, the Hebrews 11 scripture is one we use a lot. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm not a big fan of this verse because I think we misuse it. This is before the hall of faith that has a bunch of Old Testament people that never saw Jesus. Now that makes sense. Things they hadn't seen this. You know, it says Abraham hoped for a better country, an eternal, but he hadn't seen it. He just did it based on faith of the Yahweh that he knew. So you think assurance, confidence, foundation of expected things. Abraham expected. He might not know what it was going to be like, but we expected it. It's the same thing for us. We have assurance of the things that we're going to hope for because, again, it's back to the tightrope thing. Jesus says he's going to do this. I mean, if Jesus says, if you believe in me, you have eternal life, if you have faith in me, and we believe that and we trust him, he also says, I'm going to come back again, take you back, and we're going to get into this heaven stuff. It's going to really be fun. New heaven, new earth, no sin, no evil. All that's gone, and maybe you can't be happy every day. Well, he's promising that too. If we can trust him for one, maybe you can trust him for the other. So don't let that Hebrews, it's, it, some people use that not seen as we just kind of believe whatever. You know, no, that this is the, it just hasn't happened yet. I believe there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, but I haven't seen it. I haven't even done a movie on that yet. Maybe in my mind. People are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. So you see another way. You, you trust in Jesus, not trust in your own works. That's again, keeps going. So we walk by faith, not by sight. I like that. And I, I'd be okay if I saw a hand go up here. Now, this isn't a rhetorical question. This is an actual question. How many people have seen Jesus? Not a picture, actually seen. I think see, and Paul would go, yeah, he's not here. Well, not that Paul, but the other Paul. Um, we haven't seen him, but do we believe him? We've felt him. If you're a believer, you've got that inner witness of the Holy Spirit. So that's what it's talking about. It's not the fact we don't have evidence. We have evidence. We've got a lot of books and the inner of the Holy Spirit. It's just that we just haven't seen him. And eventually we will. And your faith should grow. 2 Corinthians 10. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Growing the faith. Growing the faith. Keep going on that. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. You know, a good time to do that is at New Year's. It's a good verse for New Year's. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Don't fail. 
And again, don't try to, we'll get to this when we get to the illustration, but don't try to, I'm, I'm trying to conjure up more faith. This is how you do it, I guess. You know, you got to go like this. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, you, you try to say, I want to have more faith. Well, is, it a, is there a faith meter? You know, you're praying and you're like, you know, I really would like, and it could be, I mean, I, you know, whether the Hawkeyes win or not is not that big a deal. Um, I put the Bears in there and they never answer that prayer. But, but you, you think about the prayers we really care about. We've got people, you know, you go back in the last people who passed away that we didn't want that to happen. And you pray for that. Well, if I had more faith, would that have changed? How much do I need? Do I need 80% faith? And how do I know how much faith I have in my meter? Where's the meter? It's not talking about that, is it? It's talking about the genuineness. And I'll give you just a little hint. We'll hit this more when we get to the Peter Scripture in a minute. It has a lot to do with knowledge. So did grace. We'll look at that. Let's tune in next week. Well, actually, tune in this week because we're going to talk about it. Galatians again. That's why if you read this, you'll have all this down, right? Galatians 2. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Is that ambiguous? And that's what every other religion teaches. You didn't know that maybe when you came here, but you, if, you, if you're a Christian, you follow the coolest religion out there for two reasons. It's all about Jesus. It's all about grace. And it lines up with reality more than any of the rest of them. Because back to the meter, I remember meeting a Hindu, uh, really nice guy. His name was Taj. Um, love the accent. Just love it. How are you doing today, Brian? I love that. Uh, I should do the whole sermon like that. Maybe, <laughs> you know. But, but I asked him, I said, so you believe in multiple gods? Oh, yeah, there's many gods. Many gods, Brian. Many gods. Jesus is a god. Yeah. But... Uh, but the idea of, and they always use your name. I don't know why that is. It's like, I don't do that as much. It's like, you know, my name, Brian's in there like every other sentence, you know. But, but, they, but the idea, I ask him, so the karma idea, well, you have to have more good karma than bad karma to be get reincarnated into something better, if I understand right. Yeah. Well, where's the karma meter? And he's looking at me, what do you mean? Well, how, much, how do I know how much I have? I mean, if I go... If I go in my bank account, I can see how much money I got there. And it's like if I need, you know, $10,000 to be able to get, become, you know, a, a prince in my new life instead of a cockroach, I want to know so I got 10 when I die. And he's like, well, we don't know where that's at. I said, well, who decides that? Well, the gods decide that. And I'm like, but they don't tell you. That's hard. Islam's that way. You know, if you ask a Muslim, imam, you know, a, a teacher, how do you know when you die, you're going to heaven, if Allah wills it. Ah, we have assurance of salvation, you know. I mean, all you have to do is completely give your life up to Christ and follow Him with faith and accept the grace. And I still think you'll be happy, uh, but maybe not all the time, because in this life we will have trouble, Jesus even told us that. Galatians 3, a rhetorical question. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Which one is it? Well, it wasn't works of the law. He had already talked about that. So we live by faith. The good news tells us how God makes us right 
in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And then Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We had that one before. It's the idea that you kind of hitching your, your wagon to the, to the Jesus star is kind of what you're doing, which is a good thing to do. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. And that's an Old Testament teaching, too. And I like this in Revelation 14. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying His commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. It's not hard to have faith in Jesus if He keeps giving you everything you want, even though it might not be everything you need. Most of the rich people in our country are not happy people. They have no purpose. You get to the mountain of money and you find out there's nothing there because you can't take it with you. So let's look at an illustration of faith. This is one you probably know, um, or if you've, if you've read through this in Matthew 14. It's kind of a, an interesting, uh, gives us a little bit about who Jesus is. Verse 22. I'm going to be reading in the NLT again. Immediately after this, this was feeding the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it is a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter went on the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I hope you're getting your movie going here. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When the climb back in the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. This is one of those things that helps them understand maybe a little bit of who Jesus is. But you get this faith thing. We're not going to hit this very hard. You could do a whole sermon on this, of course. But the way to look at this, because he says you have little faith, so we go back to the faith meter again. Did he only have like 20 points of faith? I mean, how much do you need? But remember our definition. It's a Faith is a reason's trust in Jesus. That's the key. Who are you trusting in? You can have faith in a lot of things. Krishna, Muhammad, Moses, or yourself. It really comes down to where your faith is couched in. Who are you really trusting? And that all comes down to how well do you know him? At this point, Peter didn't quite know him well enough yet. He knew he could walk on water. He knew he could heal the sick. He knew he was a really good preacher. He knew there was something special about his prayer. He knew a lot of things about him, but he didn't know him well enough to know whether he had the power to get him over there too. And I think that's where our faith has to set and stop and stay. It's kind of back to what I said at the, at the welcome. Do you know God? How well do you know him? The more you know him, the better 
and stronger and greater your faith will be. Because if he is who he says he is, there's a lot there to trust. So I invite you to continue that. We're going to finish up here with, with Romans 5. I'm going to go back to the ESV. This kind of sums this up a little bit for us. We'll end with this and then I'll pray. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have, this is the cool part. It answers Ephesians 2. We have access. This is where the access comes. It's your trust that gives you the grace. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's not all about being happy. It's about knowing God's grace through faith. Let's pray. Father, as we start this new year, I just pray for each one here that they realize that grace is something they cannot earn, but it's the most important thing in the world because it's a grace that Jesus gives us. May their faith be in Him. May they not worry about how much faith they have, but may they worry about, concern about, put their minds around and their hearts around about how well they know You. And so clearly in your word, if we want to know you better, we let Jesus take us by the hand and show us the Father. 